Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. When you talk about critical race theory, which is pretty much going to be teaching kids how to hate each other, how to dislike each other, that's pretty much that's pretty much I don't care to say it's pretty much what it's going to all come down to. You're going to deliberately teach kids this white kid right here got it better than you because he white. You're going to personally tell a white kid, oh, the black people are all down and suppressed. How do I have two medical degrees if I'm sitting here oppressed? How do I get it's the video making the rounds. This man in, uh, is he in San Francisco? I forget where he is. At a school board meeting discussing critical race theory. What are you doing? Why are you teaching this to our children? He's black and he says, I have two medical degrees. How did I do that if I'm being oppressed? That's his argument. And the argument is one that if, if, if you want to tell him he, he's, he's wrong, if you want to tell him he doesn't understand, you're more than welcome to, but enjoy that. And if this man is now talking about critical race theory, why is it that so many now want to tell us it's not real? It's just the imagination of the political right. It's all about Fox News or Tucker Carlson or radio hosts, whatever the case may be. If you want to know what it looks like when someone is losing, this is what it looks like. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, Parlor, Instagram, Twitter, at Tony Katz. Losing. And what are they losing? They're losing a an argument about what these people say is supposed to be inarguable. You are supposed to accept the fact that you are not woke, and you are supposed to accept the fact that you do not know, and you are supposed to accept the fact that you need to be what? Educated. And when you should raise your voice to ask a question, you will be called racist to shut you back down. And what parents all across America have said is... That's what they said. Our children are worth fighting for. Our children are worth it. So much so... I'm not the only person saying it, even though I've been saying it for months. Let's go back to this dad. No mom, no dad in the house. Work my way through college. Sat there and hustled my butt off to get through college. You gonna tell me somebody that looked like all y'all white folks kept me from doing that? Are you serious? Not one white person ever came to me and said, well, son, you're never going to be able to get nowhere because you know the black people. But guess what? What's sickening about this whole thing is what y'all doing right now is already something I do in my community right now to speak out against stuff because black folks are getting told by other black folks, oh, you know you ain't going to be able to do nothing out there in the world because them white folks ain't going to let you get no. Oh, you know you're not going to be able to do here because you know, the, white, the, the white man, the white man going to keep you down. Well, how did I get where I am right now if some white man kept me down? How am I now directing over folks that look just like you guys in this room right now? How? What, what, what kept me down? What oppressed me? I work for myself from off the streets to where I am right now. You gonna sit here and tell me this lie of critical race theory? Of this, this, this the reason why black folks can't get ahead because of white folks? Are you kidding me? This is what we come to now. I can't believe we even talking about this right now. The last thing we're gonna say right here is something that's crazy. Martin Luther King said he wanted his kids to grow up in a world where they are judged by the contents of their what? Character. Their character. 
not their skin. Absolutely. If they let this stuff go on right now, it is absolutely doing the complete reverse of what he's doing. So when February comes, don't talk about Martin Luther King. When February comes, don't talk about black history. Mother dog will sit there and just pee, must pee on his grave with this nonsense. That's exactly what's about to happen. Lastly, we are talking about our kids. We are talking about our children. What's so sickening about me? I love the Discovery Channel. You will see that on the Discovery Channel, animals will put their lives on the line to protect their children from danger. Nobody want to get to the heart. And isn't that exactly what we're discussing? Yes, I'm willing to put myself on the line to protect my children from danger. Now is the time to be brave. Don Lemon. And Chris Cuomo. About who is telling it, mm-hmm. right? So if you are the person who happens to be telling the history, you're going to tell it in your favor. And the best way to correct that so that um, some people aren't uh, over-indexed in the history of the country is to have all voices, as many voices as possible, included in that history. You know, I had somebody today saying, well, you know, I, I'm just, I'm worried. I want in the telling of that history. Go I don't on, want sorry. people lecturing my kid like, hey, you're white, you're bad because of this and this. I said, why do you think that's what it will be? Mm-hmm. I said, that's the only problem is your perception why wouldn't want your your kid to understand the roots of slavery and the legacy of slavery how it is played out for enslaved people as a culture throughout the years why wouldn't you want it's amazing how they dismiss what this man and what you have been talking about that absolutely it's about Teaching the idea, well, there's an oppressed class and an oppressor class. There's a victim class, and, and, and these are the people doing it to you, and, and they should be ashamed, and you should feel this, and they're doing this, and so you can do It is, of course, about teaching hate. Chris Cuomo just brushes o- 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 over that. You want to teach about slavery? Sure. You want to teach about the roots of slavery? Are you ready? I want you to teach about those people in Africa who sold their brothers and sisters into slavery. How do you think it went down? I mean, I'm in favor of discussing all of it. The good, the great, the bad, and the ugly. I'm in favor of the full, complete story. Are we going to discuss the fact that South America took far more slaves than North America? Are we going to talk about slavery throughout history? Are we going to discuss the Jews celebrating Passover? To celebrate escaping the land of Egypt out of the house of bondage. That the story of Passover, the Haggadah teaches that freedom is not free and every generation it must be one anew. That Thomas Jefferson referred to the fact that the tree of liberty must be watered from time to time with the blood of tyrants and patriots. Two very, very, I, 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 I always make the assumption that Jefferson got it from, from the story of the Passover, which is a story of freedom. No one should hide slavery, but if we're going to discuss it, I want to discuss it all. Because I think that's worthy. Back to the two minds of CNN. You don't think that telling people that they were beaten and sold and lynched makes them feel bad? That's right. That's right. That's that's exactly right. That's always happy to hear. That's your idea of uh, that's the whole thing about what privilege is, is that you 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 people don't like to have their pleasure interrupted, their peace interrupted. And so people think that it should be the way that it should be because they have been taught that in, in, in this country. But, you know, telling 
people having people come to the realization, especially ancestors of slaves, that they they were enslaved and that they were beaten, that they were sold, that they weren't able to accrue wealth, that they weren't able to go to school, they weren't able to go vote. You think that makes them feel good? So the folks on the other side, stop making it about you. And I don't think there's any problem with this conversation. But that isn't what critical race theory is. Critical race theory is about telling people that they are guilty, to which I am not, and you are not. If you did not own a slave, you are not guilty. Why would you ever teach someone that they are? You know, you're oppressing this person. We listened to this man just earlier. Why are you telling me I'm oppressed? What you, who oppressed me? That someone that might disagree with them, that's fine. But that doesn't make that man wrong. And it doesn't make Don Lemon right. As we discussed with Dr. Lindsey Burke yesterday, the roots of this, the roots of critical race theory, go back far. They have a history. For a lot of people, critical race theory is brand new. And very often you'll hear people who defend it say, well, it's been a legal theory for for 30 years. And then you can argue the conversation, the difference between the legal uh, theory uh, of it versus the critical race studies of a uh, Abram Kendi, of a Robin DiAngelo and the insanity that that, as I describe it, uh, that comes forth from there. But when you discuss this taking place in in these colleges of education, uh, for example, it really does set the stage for the recognition for a lot of parents and for a lot of people who this isn't new. This isn't just the last year because of, of the death of George Floyd. Rather, this has been a longstanding idea and concept throughout academia that so many of us left to the wayside and paid no attention to, including those of us who were paying good money to universities to have our kids, in my words, indoctrinated. How far back does this go and exactly how deep is it in the university system? Well, you're right. Critical theory broadly, that umbrella uh, came over to the United States in the 1930s. And then we see, as you know, it transitioned later uh, into critical uh, legal theory. And eventually, not until the 1990s, though, did we see what we currently know as critical race theory. So around the 1990s, we see it really starting to get its sea legs. I think what is interesting uh, is that if you look at colleges of education and faculty within those colleges of education across the country, uh, I did a study with Rick Hess at the American Enterprise Institute, and we looked at the top 20 colleges of education uh, by rank in terms of New SU's and World Report, and the top 20 by volume of teachers that they produce annually. And of those colleges of education, we looked at about 3,000 faculty members, about half study race as an issue, have a focus on it, which is is completely fine. There's nothing wrong there. But of those, about a third are doing so through a critical race theory lens. And so this really is a big part of what uh, faculty at colleges of education are studying today, which of course, as we said, trickles down to the K-12 classroom. You have to understand how long this has been around. It's not new. When she talks about the 1930s, and that's uh, Dr. Lindsay Burke from uh, Heritage Foundation, it was all about that study we were discussing uh, that shows that teachers want to teach critical race theory in civics uh, classes. And it's not that the majority uh, are, are in favor of this, but 40%, 40% is, is enough to scare the living daylights out of you, if you ask me. It's enough to scare the living daylights out of me. 
This goes back to the Frankfurt School. F-R-A-N-K-F-U-R-T. And this, this Marxist theory, this idea of utilizing race as this as this lens, as this viewpoint, as this, well, here's the problem. Built and created as a way to divide. Marxism is based on, predicated on the idea of divide and conquer. That's what it's based on. It is based on the idea of the destruction of norms. We looked at Black Lives Matter and we looked at their manifesto and their website, which they have since changed. Getting rid of the nuclear family, no fathers, that's Marxism. Destroying the nuclear family, the concept of the family, creates a a, a nihilism where people look for something else to fill the void in terms of leadership and values and morals. And what is that thing? It's the state. Just like they believe in the eradication of religion to do the same. When people don't have a moral center, they will utilize something else to fill the void. They will find a way to fill the void. That's just fact. We hear this conversation when people turn uh, to drug dependency or other things. We, we, we hear about this in, 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 a, in a myriad of ways. This isn't, we're, we're, we're not, you know, rubbing our crystals together. No one's trying to sell you some essential oils. We are factually discussing the story, the reality of our lives. And this Marxism has been prevalent for years, and people have been educated on it for years in different ways and in different places. And one of the things that you'll hear about is that, you know, no one, no one's trying to, trying to teach critical race theory. Oh, no, we're not trying to teach criti- critical race theory. But the staff takes classes in racial equity. Well, why is the staff taking the class if it's not going to then trickle down to the students? Why would we, as parents, believe you? What have you done, teachers union or staff, to make us believe you? We believe that you are more interested in looking good to a certain group as opposed to doing good for the students who are our children. We've seen this in regards to COVID all around the country. We see this when there are still people pushing the idea that kids have to wear masks going into the 2021 school year, 2021-2022. We have seen the Randy Weingartens of the world, American Federation of Teachers, say it's about the union and it's not about the student. That's my take on what she has said. And most importantly... Many parents are realizing for the very first time that they have ceded too much to the teachers. Not that they're angry with the teachers, but they really, they trust it and the kids go to school. Okay, I got work to do. Okay, kids are in school. It's fine. No, they've learned now that the school may not have been doing right by their kid and maybe for years.
And so they are saying, my gosh, we have to get involved. We have to do something. And here's what we're going to do, rationally and honestly and clearly. And look at all the pushback they get. Look at all the things they're called, bigot and racist and this and that and the other. And friendships break up. Oh, you don't believe in critical race theory? I can't be your friend anymore. No more family vacations for us. I won't talk to you. I'm going to tell everybody I know you're a bigot. That has happened. I know those stories. And the parents say, yeah, it's all right. Kids are worth it. Why is there so much pushback and so much lack of intellectual integrity from the CNNs of the world? Because it's better just to to attack as opposed to recognize that the parents have a point. And this man speaking at that school board meeting you heard first has a point. And Dr. Lindsey Burke has a point. This has been going on for forever. And none of it does well by our kids. The great pushback is what I dubbed it. Hashtag the great pushback. It continues. Good on you guys. I'm Tony Katz. Somebody put Pelosi on the spot. Holy cow. I haven't even heard this yet. Here's just the headline. Asked if an unborn baby at 15 weeks is a human being, Pelosi refuses to answer. Hold. All right, I, I got to hear this. You got to hear it too. All right, here, here it is. The Supreme Court this fall will review a Mississippi law that bans most abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy. Is an unborn baby at 15 weeks a human being? Let me just say that I am a big supporter of Roe v. Wade. Uh, I am a mother of five children in six years. I think I have some standing on this issue as to respecting a woman's right to choose. Is it a human being? Yes. Yes, ma'am. Holy cow. You have no standing because you had six kids in five years. Although, that's impressive. That, that That doesn't give you standing, first. Secondly... That was ugly. You can't answer the question? Let, let, and let's say it again. Catholic Speaker Pelosi. There's talk of, of bishops saying, yeah, we're not giving these people communion. We're not doing it. They favor, they favor uh, abortion. We're not giving them communion. She can't say it's a life? Oh, that. And she just ignored it. She just ignored the questioner. Didn't give an answer and ignored the follow-up. I don't know who I don't know who was asking that question, but that was strong. This is Tony Katz today. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Is there any more update on what took place in Phoenix? As I have it, the latest I have, there were eight shootings in the West Valley area of of Phoenix, right? So Phoenix spreads out uh, for, for a while. One person dead, a dozen injured. That's the latest I have, producer. All right, do you have more on that? That's all I recently saw, and I don't want to... I've seen some other stuff, but I don't want to speculate. Right, so I, I think they are still in investigating. So this this started yesterday. Tony Katz, by the way, Tony Katz today. Uh, it's it's good to be with you. 
Um, same person who, when they got arrested, didn't didn't resist. A firefighter spots the vehicle, uh, and no no resisting arrest. They just, they just got uh, arrested. Glendale, Peoria, and Surprise. So these are northwest of Phoenix. This is the West Valley. And it took place over the course of an hour. It reminded me of of being in D.C. during the days of the D.C. sniper. I lived in Washington, D.C. on 9-11. I lived in Washington, D.C. through anthrax. Neither one, neither one, so we're clear, was as scary, as frightening as the DC sniper. It was, it was nuts. So it, this is Lee Boyd Malvo, and I'm forgetting the, the other guy's name. I'm surprised I forgot. And so one was driving, and the other was in the trunk, and there was a hole drilled in the trunk, and they would just drive by and shoot people. And there was a whole thing where there was a, a chief of police who was trying to get all tough guy, and then they actually replaced him because they weren't trying to agitate whoever was doing this. They were trying to bring them in. And so repeating messages that they were told to repeat, it was very strange how it went down. But you would get gas, go to a gas station, and they would have giant blue tarps. You know how the gas station has like a, like a roof covering over it, right? Does it keep you from the sun or the elements or what have you? From that to the ground, blue tarps or green tarps so no one could see through it so they wouldn't know who was there getting gas so you could be more protected from gunfire because you couldn't have a a direct target it was crazy it was out of control crazy never experienced anything like it before or since and that's what this reminded me of in, in in phoenix very 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 weird, very strange. I have not seen anything about a motive yet or anything else. I know nothing about uh, the politics of this. And very often when uh, we're not told about the politics, when we, when we, when we don't hear that, you, you got to assume, right? That's what people do. They assume like, oh, well, you know what that means. And then they, they add their own politics to it and assume it's going to be like, oh, it's going to show it's someone from the left. Oh, it's going to show it's someone from the right. I, I would like to know what's going on here. Crazy story. Also, I want to redig into a conversation that uh, that Senator Todd Young had yesterday because we were talking about the Endless Frontiers Act. It's Todd Young, a senator from Indiana, and this this legislation that got that passed the Senate in a bipartisan way um, about how to deal with China and how to handle and thwart uh, the. What, what I can only describe as the, the Chinese threat. This is the boldest, most sweeping, most comprehensive, and toughest anti-China measure in the history of our nation. Uh, we passed it with bipartisan support, uh, out, as you indicated, out of the U.S. Senate. Um, the heart of it, the core of it, is investment in cutting-edge 21st century technologies. Technologies that have military applications, like artificial intelligence and robotics and uh, supercomputing, uh, things 
things the Chinese are investing heavily in, but they also have commercial applications. So to the extent the United States, as opposed to China, can dominate these fields, we're going to have 21st century jobs. Uh, there's a tech hub, hub component that, that will be very important to a number of our states as well. Uh, we uh, ensure that, you know, all the venture capitalists right now are on the coast. They're in places like Silicon Valley and Boston and, and the North Carolina Research Triangle. But there's so much untapped talent across the heartland. And so this bill calls for the establishment of tech hubs that will lead to better paying 21st century uh, jobs all across the country so that we can bring the American people into this battle against the Chinese Communist Party and they can enjoy more prosperous, more, fu more fulfilling lives as well. When do we bring drug manufacturing to the United States? Let's hope in fairly short order. I mean, I, we uh, roughly 70% of, of the inputs, and that's a, that's a, a real lowball estimate, uh, are imported from other countries. So we're clearly overly dependent on other countries uh, for our supply chains. So the way we're going to have to look at this is, is there are certain things that will have to be uh, located here in the United States of America. An example would be PPE, right? And then there are other things for which we can rely on trusted partners. Uh, Canada uh, would probably be, he'd be among those, right? Uh, uh, England, uh, uh, there, uh, Israel, there are others on the list. Uh, what we don't want to do is be uh, incredibly dependent, as we are right now, on communist China uh, to produce uh, essential, life-saving, life-extending things like pharmaceutical products. And oh, by the way, Indiana being both a, a pharmaceutical mecca and also the most manufacturing intensive state in the country has real upside opportunity here and as we reshore uh, some of this manufacturing capability. The question before us is why why is it that we have not as of yet gone back to or or or, or done what we need to do to attract the manufacturing for what reason are we waiting i don't have an answer to this question for months now we have been discussing how what we need to do is bring manufacturing back and how could midwest states not be working on this with everything in them how can they not be proactive in this they should be all over it they should be working aggressively to get drug manufacturing back to the United States. They should be saying, here's what we'll offer you. Here's what we'll give you. Here's what we'll do for you. Why is this not happening? What's keeping them from doing it? Prying eyes, producer Ari? I've always thought, you know, a lot of the pharmaceutical stuff they do in four countries because one, it's cheaper, and two, some of the stuff... No, it's done no, no, behind no, no. closed doors for a reason. You're making an argument that the creation is nefarious. I'm not, Remember I, what I'm discussing here. I'm not discussing research. I am not discussing development, which happens in the United States, by the way. I'm talking about production. If you want to make an argument 
that our drugs are produced in a nefarious way. You can, but you'd need proof of that. And without proof of that, I'm not going to pay attention to it. And if it is happening in a nefarious way, isn't that more reason to bring it back to the U.S.? Seems to me to be much more of a reason to bring it back to the United States. That's my take. That there's, there's just no reason why we shouldn't have it. Now, one of the things that, that uh, the senator said is right when, when, you, when you think about this. You can't have it all in the U.S. What you need to do is properly and strategically place out the production. Because if one supply chain goes bad, you have others. If you take a medicine that is life-saving, life-enhancing, and you can't have access to it, then you're going to have yourself a problem. So you need to make sure that that can still come. But there are plenty of places that we can work with absolutely can provide us that service certainly you have india as one of those places certainly he uh, senator young discussed canada so very often we 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 go to uh, he also discussed israel i can think of a bunch of other places we go to this idea man we just bring it back to the u.s it's important to note that it takes uh, just just another breath just another beat make sure you've thought this all the way through but there is no doubt that we are making a mistake on mistake on mistake if we are not proactively looking for ways to get it back here and already doing so now if you say to me hey maybe the answer is we just don't want to be too loud about it Maybe that's what's happening, and and uh, it's going to happen slowly. We just don't want to be too loud about it. Japan offered up billions of dollars for companies to leave China and bring their production back uh, to Japan. That's Japan. I don't think that you lose anything in being too loud about it. As a matter of fact, I think you should be very loud about it. It's like that whole thing with the defector. Which is, is that the craziest story? This guy who supposedly worked at the, at the security ministry defects from China. I mean, these, these were rumors, and now some people are confirming this and that. Absolutely has information about the Wuhan Institute of Virology, about the lab, and that's why the Biden administration may have changed their stance on whether or not the virus leaked from a lab, because, oh, yeah, it leaked from a lab. Stephen Colbert hurt worst. Leaks from a lab. Did what it did, what it did, what it did, what it did. I think that you want to hurt China. I think that the way to hurt them is through the idea of not being able to save face. Look at all the companies that left because they no longer trust you, commies. And then through every single source you can, you send the information to the people of China and you try to up the rancor. What? You, You can't. Can't engage in that kind of warfare? Sure. Whatever you say. I'm Tony Katz.
So it was Fox News that put out a story. Here's the headline. Unvaccinated West Point cadets face growing and severe retaliation, according to sources. And I'm like, what? I, I, I don't even know how to respond to this. So West Point does not have a vaccine mandate. The military doesn't have a vaccine mandate. There are three dozen, give or take, unvaccinated cadets at West Point. They have 4,500 students. Well, students. Forgive me for the way I say that. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Cadets, not students. And so those cadets who say they've got a natural immunity because they've gotten the virus earlier, they're facing quarantines and other restrictions and more of them now than at the height of the pandemic. It includes a seven-day quarantine for unvaccinated cadets in the break before summer training. And that requirement took off a full week from their time off. Does anybody else think that's odd? That is a bit odd. Also odd is this uh, is it a radicalness here? Let me let me let me share. This is Jimmy Kimmel, who is not funny. He could be, he chose not to be. This is him talking about vaccines. The CDC has labeled the Delta variant of the coronavirus a variant of concern. It's believed to be more transmissible and the symptoms are more severe than previous variants of the virus. This is like the part of the movie where everybody's celebrating and the kid nobody listens to trying to warn them the monster has gotten stronger. But there is a simple way to protect yourself and to protect those around you. And all you have to do is get the vaccine. A little shot. You're protected. It's free. Millions of people around the world got it. There are virtually zero serious side effects. But somehow people are still like, I'm not letting anyone tell me what to do, which is, I don't know, that's like deciding you're not going to stop at red lights. Why should I? (laughs) Government can't tell me how to drive my own car. Is that what it's like? Is that what it's like? Never mind that you have this late-night talk show host who is so eager uh, to be seen as good by the federal government. That's, man, we are a long way from late-night being counterculture, man. Long, long way. Remember when late-night was hip? Stephen Colbert did this whole thing where there's like these, these dancing vaccines and convincing people to get vaccinated. Jimmy Kimmel doing the same. Do they think they're doing the public good here? People will decide what they want to do. Stop it. Just stop. If, 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 if the science is there that getting a vaccine isn't necessary, well, then what's your problem? It's not just me saying such a thing. Here's Representative Massey just coming back at a reporter, Thomas Massey of Kentucky. I just want to, number one, you didn't answer whether or not you've been vaccinated. Well, first of all, it's none of your business, but I'm going to tell you, I'm not vaccinated. And until there's some science, by the way, I have a master's of science degree from MIT. I'm not a virologist, but I can read data. Everybody just needs to read and don't put your head in the sand. Look at the data. I'm not going to get the vaccine until there's data that shows that it will improve upon the immunity that's been conferred to me as a result of a natural infection that I had. So now Jimmy Kimmel's going to say that it's like uh, running red lights. 
The data drives decisions for a lot of people. Fear drives decisions for a lot of other people. Now, you understand I have absolutely no dog in this fight. None. Whether someone gets vaccinated or not, it it doesn't change whether I'll let them into my house. It doesn't. I'm willing to do it because I've never asked if you've been vaccinated for anything else. I have never asked. Now, some people say, well, you made an assumption. I can make uh, uh, an assumption that society has done enough of this where the herd immunity is there. Oh, you have to worry about the variants. No, 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 no. You won't even call the variants what they are. South African variant, uh, Singapore variant, uh, Brazilian variant. No, you rename them so we don't know. You're hiding science. I'm dealing with science, and people can make their decisions from there. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Catch you next time, tomorrow.